Well, congratulations. You survived to the year 2015. And you know, you all look different now that it's a whole new year. It's the first time I've seen you this year, and you look completely different. I want to give you my wish. You ever, you ever throw a penny in a wishing well, and you make a little wish? I want to give you my wish for you for 2015. You ready for this? Now look, if I'm going to do it, you've got to act like you like it, all right? Here's my wish for you for 2015. My wish is that peace would break into your home and thieves would come and steal all your debts. My wish is that the pockets of your jeans would become magnets for $100 bills. My wish is that love would stick to your face like peanut butter and laughter would attack your mouth. May happiness slap you across the face and may your tears only come from joy and laughter. May the problems you had in 2014 forget your address. May all your biscuits have jelly on them. Come on, somebody's getting with me now. May each donut be the best of your life and never grow new fat cells. Okay, I I, I knew I'd get you eventually. May the bank and the IRS make errors in your favor and give you enough money to retire on. May every evil word you've ever spoken be forgotten by those who heard it, and may you forget every evil thought you ever had. May you grow three more inches and lose 25 pounds. May complete strangers reach out to you and build meaningful relationships with you. May your spouse and kids finally honor you as the hero you are. May your body begin to regenerate itself and your health increase. May a rogue computer virus break in and erase all your debt. May people you've offended and people you owe forget you exist. And may only the people who love you the most remember you forever. That's my wish for you for 2015. Now, just on the outside chance that all of that doesn't happen, we might need to come up with something else. I've got something. How about prayer and fasting and seeking God's face? Prayer and fasting and seeking God's face. One week from tomorrow, we will begin, as we've done for several years, a journey of 21 days of fasting and prayer. Now, most of us this morning understand the basic concept of prayer. Prayer is basically talking and listening to God. Fasting, though, may be new to you or may be a little foreign to you. So I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about fasting, preparing. Our theme this year is breakthrough. And so what I just want to talk about is preparing for a breakthrough. If you've got something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some of these thoughts down and work them over in your own prayer time. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about giving and prayer and fasting. And in that chapter, he says, when you give, and he says, when you pray, and he says, when you fast. Now, nowhere that I can find in the Bible does it say you must fast, but neither does it say anywhere if you fast. It says when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So I'm just thinking in good company, like prayer and giving, then fasting is probably a fairly obvious expectation that Jesus would have had of his followers. So what I'm saying to you is for our church, it's time, it's that time 
when we're called back to a place of prayer and fasting and focusing in on God, it's a time to set aside a special season of seeking God. Now, I remember, um, I don't know, maybe it was seven or eight years ago, there was a lady that I knew who, uh, you know, different people approach a fast a different way. And so, and I encourage that. I think that's a... I think that's a good thing. Everybody's not at the same place, and I think there's no reason to pretend that we are. We should just be where we are. And I think in that reality, we meet God authentically. And so we were at lunch one day during a fast, and we were talking about that. And so she looks at me, and she says, you know what I am giving up for the fast? I said, what? She said, cheese. I said, I'm sorry? (laughs) What was that? I, I What? I'm giving up cheese. I thought, boy, she went all in, didn't she? <laughs> cheese. Wow. That's, uh, I'm not sure how sacrificial that really is. Cheese. But if you knew her, and, and since she was a former Marine, I wasn't going to laugh too loud. She was a Marine, and she was raised in a, um, she had a highly dysfunctional relationship with her mom. Her mom was very harsh. And very rigid and very legalistic, and her mom was a Jehovah's Witness, and she had just about wrecked this lady. And this lady had just found Jesus in the middle of her life. After all the years of that, after all the years of being a Marine, after a broken marriage and home, and now a remarriage, I still remember the service when she stood to her feet completely by herself, right in this section of the building we were in, she stood to her feet one night when a missionary was preaching and she said, I want to accept Jesus. And she had been there in that church maybe two years. Something happened in her heart. And so, to me, as I understood her life, I knew that God was working in her. I knew that was a deal for her. That was a thing. That was Something was happening. She was reaching out. And so I want to encourage you as we walk through this message this morning to be thinking, Lord, what is it that I could give up or sacrifice for you? So I want to give you this morning uh, several reasons that I fast. Why, why do I fast? And you can take these thoughts down and work them over how you want to. Here's the first one. I fast to grow my hunger for God. That's one of the reasons I do a fast. Uh, We live in such an indulgent and compulsive culture, we're constantly drowning in a tsunami of of deceitful and alluring fantasies. And in the pace of this culture, it takes a, a focused pursuit of God to stay spiritually hungry. Otherwise, we just numb out and fall asleep. We become apathetic and the, the, the force, the pressure of our culture just suffocates out. Every, the spiritual desire that's in us. Mark 4.19 says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Maybe you've heard it like this. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And boy, I think he's winning that battle. I think, I think we go. So I fast because I don't want my hunger for God to suffocate. We, in our culture, it's hard work to follow God. We're living in a culture that's resistant and hostile to Christian life. So I want to grow my hunger for God so I feed it. 
John Piper said, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things, and there's no room for great things. I fast to make room for great things. So I fast to stir my hunger and to stir my passion and to declare war on the deceitfulness of my own emotions and desires. I fast so the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, won't win out. I fast so that I will have a renewed hunger in my life for God. Here's the second one. (laughs) I fast to break the excesses off my life. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Abraham was commanded by God to take his 12-year-old son, to take him to the top of a hill, to build an altar, to go through the whole ceremony, to go through the whole rigmarole, to raise a knife up over his head, and to sacrifice him and kill him, the promised child, Isaac. The one that would make Abraham the father of many nations. The one that Abraham was so old, he believed he would never have. God commanded him to go through the whole motions, knowing all along that Abraham would do it. Knowing all along that he was going to supernaturally intervene and stop Abraham from doing it. Knowing all along that he was going to provide another way. Why would God require him to go through the motions? Here's why I think he did with him and does with us. God wants to know the lived out reality of our choices, not just his own foreknowledge. He wants to know the lived out reality. God knowing, if you want to take that route, God knowing how the whole world would turn out in his foreknowledge could just play it out in his mind and never have creation at all. What would have been the point? So what's going through the motions about? It's not about God's knowledge. It's about ours. We get the opportunity to live out what God already knows we're going to live out. Not to prove to him anything. You're not proving to God anything. He already knows what you're going to do. What you're doing is you're testing your own heart for your knowledge. Fasting tests our hearts. It reveals to us our true love for God and our excesses and our bondages. and It shows us what's really on the inside and what might be controlling us. We can deceive ourselves that we love God unless our love is somehow put to the test in action. Love is not a word. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And unless we have a way to put our love for God to action, to practice, then then it doesn't hold up. It must be tested with sacrifice, not just words. So you're in the fourth day of the fast. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I've had this tendency all my life. I go all in too far. Anybody like that? You know, like I, I'm, I'm 15 years old, and I decide I'm going to get into shape, so I'm going to do 300 sit-ups and push-ups every night till Jesus comes. You know, and I do that twice. <laughs> and the fourth, third night, I, I'm sore, and I'm dying, and I'm hurting. You have a tendency to go all in. So there you are, your fourth day, you fast. Maybe you've decided to fast too much, and then this spiritual battle begins to crop up inside you between your flesh and your spirit and you start to rationalize out when you're starving about 11 o'clock at night. You've had a long week. It's raining. It's cold. It's miserable. You're miserable. The world's miserable. Everything you ate was miserable and you can't eat what you want to eat because your body's craving all this stuff because you've deprived it. You're in the middle of this fast and here comes the logic. There's a little one sitting on this shoulder, a little one sitting on this shoulder and they're talking to you. 
Why did I decide to do this? This doesn't make me more spiritual. So what if I don't fast? I don't have anything to prove. Maybe that's exactly a reason to fast. To test what's in your heart. I think sometimes we avoid fasting because we can't handle the disappointment of facing what's in our own heart. And when you fast, what's in your heart comes out. Richard Foster, in his book Celebration of Discipline, says, More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. And so fasting is about brokenness. It's about the things that control us being broken off of our life. King David in Psalm 35, 13 said, Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. You come in after a long day of work and you've been moving at full speed, carrying a load of responsibility. It's cold and wet and dark at 4.30 and rainy outside and you sit down to a little bowl of broth and water. That's humbling. Because what you want is steak, right? Something hearty. But your body is somewhere being deprived and your spirit is finding brokenness and humility. Here's the third reason I fast, to, to grow closer to Christ. Now, I want to preface this. I fast to grow closer to Christ. I don't think fasting has any inherent necessarily guarantees or promises or... I don't think you earn stuff from God. You don't earn brownie points. It's not like a new credit card. You sign up and you get frequent flyer miles. You're not going to be raptured faster than anybody else. You're not going to go to heaven quicker. You're not going to sit on a different cloud. You don't get a different house in heaven. You don't have more crown. None of that stuff, right? But if you ask the question, I fast to get closer to Christ, maybe the inherent question that comes up in that is, are you saying that fasting makes you more spiritual? Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, yes, 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 I am. I think that's exactly what happens. Yes, I think it does. I think the challenge we have with spiritual things is we want them to matter when we do them and we want them not to matter when we don't do them. We want prayer to matter when we pray and we don't want it to matter when we don't pray. You understand what I'm saying? We want the impact to be there when we're doing it, but when we skip it, we want it to not matter that we skipped it. Well, it's, it, it can't be both, can it? If prayer's going to be effective and mighty and powerful when I do it, then it's also got to create some vacuum and lack when I'm not involved. And I think fasting is that way. I think there is something about it that focuses us and brings us closer to Christ. In other words, is, is there a gain in doing them but no loss in not doing them? Yes, I think there's a loss. I think when you skip some of those things, you do miss something. When Jesus was on earth, John's disciples tried to sort of throw a penalty flag on Jesus and his disciples. They couldn't understand why Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. Matthew 9, 14 and 15 says this, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they'll fast. Jesus' basic answer is this. You can't fast during a wedding. (laughs) The timing's wrong. I I mean, there's nothing worse than going to a wedding, uh, 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 going to an event, going to a celebration, going to a party, going to something that's supposed to be fun and uh, uh, 
and a celebration is happening, and there's a full spread of food, and somebody's just walking around with a long face, stared at everybody else eating and making sure everybody knows that they're fasting or they're doing something spiritual and they're not involved. There's nothing worse than just encountering a legalistic prude. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus was saying, thousands of years the world has waited for the Messiah to come. Since the time Adam and Eve first took a bite of the fruit they shouldn't took a bite of, the world has sat on the edge of its seat in anticipation of the Messiah's coming, and now the Messiah's here, and you want his followers to fast? They're not fasting now. They're not going to fast. The groom's here. It's a wedding. It's a party. It's a celebration. We're not going to do that now. This is just too epic of an event to mix with fasting. He does say, though, at the end of verse 15, the time will come when the Messiah will leave, and then they will fast. What does that mean? Jesus is saying that his absence would cause a longing in the hearts of his followers for his presence. Now follow me. His absence would cause a longing for his presence. And they would long for him. And fasting is a way then to seek the presence of God. To seek the closeness of God. Uh, Many years ago, when uh, Stacy and I were uh, just newly married and uh, we had just had our oldest son, Connor, I went on a missions trip and uh, 7,000 miles away. And I had never been away from her, maybe, maybe a night, but I had never been away. We were gone nine days. I'd never been away for that long. And I'd never been away from my little young son. And uh, it, was a, it was a big deal for us to be apart. And uh, I was at the uh, Bible college we were serving at in Argentina. And uh, one of the students there was showing me pictures of their family. And, and they said, you know, we're translating this through best we can. And they said, do you have any pictures of your family? And I said, oh, you, you, you know, yes, I do. And uh, so I ran up to her. I used to carry, remember back when we carried daytimers? Anybody? Anybody carry a daytimer? I was the only one, four of you. Anybody carry a daytimer? You, you don't manage time? Daytimer? Leather thing? Look, you know, you wrote down what time you'd be at places. Then you'd hopefully remember to read it and show up. What a daytimer. And I'd thrown some old pictures in there. And that old daytimer went with me everywhere I went in the world. And every now and then I'd flip it out and look at the little pictures. So I had the little pictures, so I brought them down and showed them to the college student. And something happened to me when, when I looked at those pictures. I brought those because I just wanted you to see them. Uh, I'll give you a look at them. This is, uh, this is the little picture I used to carry. This is Stacy and her dad when she graduated college. She's smarter than me, so she graduated a year ahead of me. And then, and then give me the next one. Oh, see there. That's, a, th- that's like our, I think it was our junior-senior prom in college. Uh, you know, I was kind of going for the Stephen Curtis Chapman mullet, but it ended up more like Larry the Cable Guy. So anyway, that's kind of where that ended. Yeah, you can move on. That's Connor. That's a little picture I carried when he was a baby, and I was, protected him there. And then there, I think there's, yeah, and then there's a little Santa Claus, Connor, when he was his little Santa outfit. And somehow or another, when I pulled those little pictures out, something happened unexpected. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just, I started to cry. 
And I thought, what's wrong with me? They're not dead. <laughs> They're fine. They're at home. They're not going to. But something happened uh, to me that surprised me, that caught me off guard. I missed them. I really, I missed, I didn't want to miss a day. I didn't want to miss a step that he took. I didn't want to miss a moment of my wife's life. I, I just, I genuinely in that moment was overwhelmed with a longing for them. And, and this is what Jesus is saying fasting is like. Even though we're not fully with Christ like we'll be in heaven, we draw close to Him in a time of seeking Him in prayer and fasting. Jesus is saying that His followers would be wounded by desire. They would be hurt by desire. We, we enjoy that kind of closeness with Jesus. We enjoy that kind of wounding when we fast. See, to the hungry heart, the call to fast sounds like invitation. To the apathetic heart, it sounds like obligation. Here's the fourth reason I fast. To grow in kingdom fruitfulness. Mark 9, Jesus' disciples encounter a young boy who was uh, mute. And he would go into violent fits of rage. And his condition, the Bible makes clear, is caused by a demonic spirit. And the disciples tried, but they couldn't drive the spirit out. And Jesus drove the spirit out of the boy, and later the disciples asked him, Now, why can you do that, and we couldn't do that? And he said, These kind come out only by prayer and fasting. Remember that? These kind only come out by prayer and fasting. Now, look, we can talk about uh, deep theological minutiae, about, you know, demonic, and all of this stuff. But let me, let me just sort of harvest uh, one overarching big point out of that whole story. There is a God-given purpose for your life and my life, and that purpose can only be accomplished spiritually. In other words, it does have a physical component. It does have an emotional and a mental component. All of that. It has to be acted out. It has to be lived out. But the wellspring for the will of God being accomplished, for the purpose by which you and I were set on earth to be accomplished is your spiritual life. The will of God will come about in your life spiritually. It will overflow into the physical. As Mark sort of laid out, remember uh, uh, last week, the, the physical guy, the soul, and the spirit. It will flow from this man. From the spirit will flow into the other parts of your life, the will of God. So our spiritual impact, our purpose for living on earth is more powerfully fulfilled when we pray and fast. The potential that God has given us can't be fulfilled without deep prayer and deep seeking of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when the flesh is satisfied... It's hard to pray with cheerfulness or to devote oneself to a life of service which calls for much self-renunciation. As I said earlier, fasting humbles us. It's a reminder that it's not by our power that things are done. The reason the humility that comes from fasting is so important is because it kind of throws you back onto God and, and reminds you of your true dependency. I lack food, I sacrifice, I suffer, I long, my desires are realigned, I'm broken, I'm shattered in my spirit, and I'm reminded that it's only by His might and His power that these things are accomplished. It reminds us how uh, incapable we are. Jesus and Moses and Elijah all did 40 days of fasting before their calling. 
All right, here's the uh, fifth one. I fast to receive a breakthrough. That's our theme this year. Uh, or, or direction. Now, if you remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed and fasted and was seeking a breakthrough from God, and then the angel finally came, and maybe you know that story. Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the Holy Spirit for missionary work in a season of fasting. Look, there are decisions that you need to make. There are decisions that I need to make. There are challenges that you're facing in your life. What I do when I fast is I make a list of those pressures. I make a list of those challenges. I make a list of those limitations and I bring them to God as I pray and fast every day. I bring those things and I set them down at the feet of Jesus. Now, early on when I first started fasting, or, or after I kind of got some, maybe some wrong theology about fasting, I brought those things to Jesus because I wanted Jesus to fix them. I brought those to Him and I thought... In some way, you know, when you fast, you're kind of anteing up. You're sort of ratcheting up your side, going, oh, no, God, I mean it. I mean, if you think that's something, wait till you see what I don't eat next. I mean, I'm going to show you. I mean, I'm I'm going to get in there and make this thing happen. God's going to move. He has to because I'm starving. Right? I'm going to make this happen. Get in there. Tell me about not eating pizza. I'll not eat some other stuff. Cut out ice cream and all kind of stuff. And we can think that we're earning something from God. God's not like, um, he's not like a marketer or a credit card company that you can swap and manipulate. I, 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 I don't bring that list to Jesus now because I so much think that a fast will somehow earn me the resolution to those things. I bring that, those things to Jesus because I'm asking Jesus to fix me. <laughs> I, I'm the one that's broken. And, I, and what I'm asking then is, is I, I'm, asking, I'm fasting not to make sure that I get my way in those. I'm fasting to make sure that God's getting His way in them. That's a whole different thing. So I'm asking God for a breakthrough in me. <laughs> with me. For His glory, the way He wants it. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's get this right. God, I want to get right with you. I want to get lined up with you. And whatever this other stuff has caused, and I, want to, I want to get it right. So here's the last one. I fast to put God first. Fasting reminds me to put the spiritual in front of the physical. In other words, to put the invisible in front of the visible. Because that's the way that it really is. That's the way life really is. The, the invisible is actually more important than the visible. Uh, th- think about it. The visible things are less important. The car, the house, uh, the money, the possessions, the appearance, my flesh. Those visible things are less important and, by the way, are not eternal. The most important things in life are all invisible. God, I can't see God, but, but I say that He's more important. Love, I can't see love. I can see the action of love. I can see somebody show love, but I can't see love. I can't see character. I can't see pain. I can't see desire. I can't see passion, but I can see evidence of those things. But those things are more important. Fasting helps me put those things in the right order. 
And the way it does is I put prayer then before eating. And when I put prayer before eating, I remind my body and my soul and my psyche and my spirit that invisible things are actually more important and eternal than physical things. So we give God the first day of the week, the Sabbath, Sunday, we give God the first 10% of all that we make. It makes sense to me then that we'd give God the first few weeks of the year. Set it aside to put Him first. So as we wrap up, let me, let me give you uh, just a couple thoughts about maybe you're here and you say, I've never done a fast. And, and I, here's my heart. I, I'm not intent on everybody ought to fast the same way or the same thing or any of that stuff. What I would love is we had the broadest number of people in our church fasting something rather than a smaller number all fasting the same thing. So it'll have to, in some ways, be uniquely defined by you. Like the lady I told you that gave up cheese. For you to start somewhere would be more important than to say, I'm not there yet, so let me, let me not do anything. So how do I do a fast? Here's the first thought. Prepare spiritually. In other words, this isn't a diet. It's a spiritual fast. And it has to be done with God's help. I'm not against dieting. I'm just saying a fast and a diet isn't the same thing. Uh, the difference in a, a, a diet is where you change what you eat so that you'll have less calories and carbohydrates or whatever. Uh, a fast is when you change what you eat or cut out things that you eat or set things aside so that you might simplify your life and make room for your relationship with God to grow. So fasting without prayer is just a diet. Fasting with prayer is fasting. It's a whole different thing. So I want to encourage you, take your devotional time this week and focus on, ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, lay on my heart. What should I fast? Here's the uh, second thing. Commit to the Lord what type of fast you'll do. Now I'll give you some ideas. Look, if, if you're in a unique season of your life, if you're battling in your health, if you're sick, um, maybe there are medical conditions that you have, Look, I would encourage you to consult your doctor, and I would also encourage you, if you're in one of those unique seasons, maybe you ought to skip the fast this year. Like that, it would be okay. All right? Or maybe you could do it later when you recover. So I, this isn't a legalistic thing. We're not going to, this isn't about the ones that do and the ones that don't. That's not what this is about. This is about your relationship with God, and you seeing the breakthrough in your life that God's been wanting you to have. And now you're going to have it as you seek Him. But, it, but it's not about... Uh, uh, look, the way we do it is, we got people in the church who don't even know if they're fasting or not or what they're fasting or not. You don't have to tell anybody. It's not, we're not going to take attendance in you know, Sunday school and you're going to come right down what you cut out that week. Not doing that. So uh, there's uh, different ways to fast. The Daniel fast, uh, a lot of people do, which is you can look at the book of Daniel where you cut out certain things, no sweet, meat, no dairy, no bread. I've done a whole... I've been fasting since I was um, 19 years old. So, so for over 20-something years, I've been fasting. And so I've done all kind of different kinds, and they all have a benefit. I remember we were talking to our family a couple years ago, and we were t talking to our kids and saying, hey, what are you going to give up for the fast this year? By the way, in the back of the devotional, there's a um, calendar for youth. And if your teenagers want to use that calendar uh, to follow that fast, that's kind of what our kids do. 
But I was asking our youngest son, who maybe about eight at the time, said, what are you going to give up? He said, pickles. I mean, like that. I mean, like, like, I'm pickles. Pickles have been killing me, pickles. And I thought, well, all right. You might want to make it a little broader than that. Give up something that's important to you for 21 days and replace that activity with prayer and Bible reading and worship and seeking God. The key's not... Here's what I want you to know. The key's not giving up, it's replacing. Right? Because if you just give up, you're just miserable. (laughs) And your spirit man doesn't benefit. Replace something. Now, according to the Nielsen report, the average American adult uses a little less than seven hours of media a day. So one thing you could give up that's not a food, it's a consumable, but it's not a food, you could give up media. You could give up, you know, whatever, Facebook or any of those things. Look, we see more ads in one year than people 50 years ago saw in their lifetime. I had a lady in our church a couple years ago that uh, I've done this several times. I do a media blackout. I just get off everything. No TV, no, no Facebook. I use email when I have to and text, but I sort of shut everything else off. Everything electronic goes off. I've done that before, and a lady in our church did that, and she said, you know, I was so shocked when I came off my fast, or, or, or no, she said, late in her fast, she said, I had to go to the mall for something. And she said, I was shocked how loud the mall was. I said, what do you mean? She said, I said, do you mean they were playing that? No, no, no. She said, the signs and the advertisement and the posters and the brochures and bah, 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 bah. She said, I had, I, my life had become so quiet and focused on God. I was shocked how that advertising world's blaring all the time and suffocating. So there's several things you can do. Uh, Facebook and caffeine and sugar and I don't know, shopping sprees and workaholism and an overpacked schedule. And here's one, how about gossip? Uh, you could give up all kind of stuff, right? Video games. How do you know what to fast? Why don't you start in the place of your excesses? What do you do excessively? What do you do compulsively? What do you do uh, that could be controlling? Fast that. That's what will be a sacrifice to your spirit. Fasting is not primarily about what you're not doing. It's about what you're gaining. It's a, it's a way for God to get access to us and to heal us in the inside. All right, here, here's the last thought I ask the musicians to come. You need to make a plan. I guarantee you if you don't plan to fast, you're not going to fast. If you wake up a week from tomorrow and you say, now what am I going to do? the chances are you're not going to do anything or you're going to do something for a couple days and you're going to change it every day and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to stop. And if you're not careful when you do that cycle, the enemy will start throwing condemnation on you and you'll feel like a failure and you'll say, you know, I I just, I can't do this. And so I just want to encourage you this week, take this week in your prayer time and if you're a beginner, start somewhere. If you're more experienced, intensify your fast. As I've fasted through the years, my fast generally gets a little more intense. I change something. I give up something else. I'm looking for quiet. I'm looking for focus. I'm looking for clarity. I'm looking for a special season of being shut in with God. That's what I'm looking for. So my concern is not that you won't fast enough. My concern is that you won't fast at all. And I'd rather you fast 
something small. And, and even whether you did it perfectly or not, it's not the thing. We're not trying to build up perfect behavior or perfect reputation with God or perfect performance. We're just trying to throw ourselves on the grace of God in a more complete way. That's it. If it's more than that, look, I know people that get all into the, you know, they're going to do the pure diet. They're going to do the the Daniel fast people. You know, that thing blew up several years ago and everybody got on that train and, and, uh, Man, sometimes you'll spend so many hours cooking the right food, you won't remember who God or you are. And, and I'm just telling you, it's not about, you know, how do I make uh, cauliflower taste like ice cream, right? Or how do I make, you know, vegetables taste like a hamburger. It's not about all that. How do I follow the rules? It's not about that. It, if you're spending more time making your diet work than you are praying, you're just not doing it right. The point is to make space so that you can pray. That's what a fast is for. It's about being empty. It's not about filling your life up with some complicated structure that nobody can do. Because I'm telling you, every time you do that, it turns into legalism. And the enemy will hit you on the head. And he is an accuser of the children of God. And he will condemn you and condemn you and beat you down and make you feel like you failed. And the grace of God says, no, no, just come. Just come, put all that junk down and come. That's what it's about. So our devotionals are ready. They're in the foyer in the Welcome Center. We have devotionals in the uh, Kingwood Joes that you can uh, look at. We are trying to provide the space that we need to seek God and pray. That's really what it is. So a week from tomorrow and every Monday morning of the fast from 6 to 7 a.m., We'll have prayer and worship here. So if that fits your schedule, I'd love for you to come to all of those or some of those or one of those. Sunday night, two weeks from tonight, we'll have our first soak service of the year. The Sunday night after that, we'll have what we call freedom and healing service. We'll come and pray. Seek the Lord's face. Seeking God for a breakthrough. The devotional this year has been written along the soap outline. If you remember that last year, our hope is that you'll engage the Word of God. And that Word will be transformational to you. So would you stand with me? I just want to pray with you. I just want to share my heart with you and how to prepare for a breakthrough. How to prepare for a breakthrough. How to get ready. How to get ready for God to do in your life what He wants to do. So would you, would you just hold your hands up like this? Just your palms open. You just hold them up in a kind of a posture of surrender. Sort of a posture of openness. And would you just pray with me today? Lord Jesus, I love you this morning. And I ask you today, as we gather together, that you would move in this place right now. God, that you would stir us. That your spirit would stir us up. Stir us to great hunger. That the, the, the groom is gone. And there is a distance between us and you right now. And God, I pray that we would be wounded by our own desire, that our desire would rise, our passion, our intensity, our hunger, our longing for you and your will, and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that you would uh, uh, stir us to great seeking, 
Stir us to fervent prayer. Stir us to set aside and to long and to come after you and to sit with you and to walk with you, talk with you and listen to you and be with you. God, I pray as we leave today, we would be wounded, wounded on our own desire for your presence. God, stir us up. Stir us up. Guide us now. We need guidance. We need wisdom. Nobody knows how to do this perfectly. I don't know how to do this perfectly. But Lord, with with respect and with awe and with reverence, I approach you and I ask you to give me wisdom in my own fast and my own prayer. I ask you to guide me and lead me in ways maybe that I've not been able to hear you before. Lord, I ask you to give me wisdom to lead this church that we would follow you in a way that blesses and honors and pleases you. And the breakthroughs that you've been wanting to give are coming now. Lord, we seek your face. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Hey, God bless you. Pick up a devotional on your